When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sports Social. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Cole. Yeah, I've got somebody to join me today, thankfully. As a, that was, that was a, a very lonely, that was a very lonely experience there last week, Nick. Yeah, exactly. Did the first solo podcast, and there's actually some decent feedback from it. So yeah, forever in emergency circumstances, you may get yeah. one of us on a emergency solo show. That's, in how, the future. that's how that's how desperate people are for Manchester United content that they listen to the ramblings of a an inebriated madman exactly exactly um but yeah that's it i think people are like just looking for answers wondering where we're at at the moment i mean last time Frankly, we recorded, we'll be able to give them all of them <laughs> oh yeah all the answers tonight we've got them all um but yeah look last time recorded just after we'd gone out on penalties to middlesbrough obviously it was a really horrific result and we were gutted but my general feeling was we'd played pretty well, we deserved to win, and that if we kept playing like that, things would be okay. But yeah, since then, we've played two matches, Burnley away and Southampton at home, and things have gone really in exactly the same way. It's just like Groundhog Day, really, the same thing over and over again. We've played exactly like that, and things have not been okay. It's strange, because, you know, before we had this issue of we weren't creating enough chances, um, mm. And, you know, the passing was off. Whereas, you know, lately I thought the passing was improved. We've been creating so many chances. But each of these games has just gone the same way. We start really well. We score a goal. We create more chances but miss a lot. Go in 1-0 at half time, feeling relatively good about it. Come out second half and it just goes to shit, basically. And we end up conceding a goal. And each three times in a row, we've ended up drawing 1-1. I mean, what's going on here, Colm? Well, nothing good, and it's not a fun watch because it's it's uh, it's gut wrenchingly predictable, which is a, not a good place to be when you're sitting down uh, for minute one of the Manchester United match and you have a very strong feeling about what you're going to see. Um, it's interesting because you know it's been such a joyless and demoralizing uh, three fixtures. However, 
across those three games, RXG has been nine. We should have scored nine goals in those three games, if you go by XG. I think it was yeah. four in the Middlesbrough game, two and two, over two and over two in the two following games, which is, you know, that's good. There's no issue with that. I know people will, you know, say XG doesn't tell the story, all this, that and the other. But really in this instance, it, it really kind of does. We have created good chances and we've scored three goals in those three games when versus the quality of our chances, we should have scored nine. And had we scored nine, you know, three, three and three or four, two and two, whatever, we obviously would have won those games. Those games were there to be won and we were being creative. And as you say, there's players that are starting to look like they're picking up a little bit of form. You know, on the eye test, particularly in the early parts of these games, there's decent football happening. Particularly Jaden Sancho, I think, has started to deliver much more consistently across his time in the pitch and actually really have an impact and create chances for others. Um, our finishing has been diabolical, but it's also just the way we're playing. And, and, and to me, that's kind of... You can look at it one or two ways. You can be slightly encouraged, although I think it'd be very hard for anyone to find a whole pile of encouragement in those recent um, results by the fact that we are starting to create a few chances. It's not quite as boring as the the um, the results depict. However, on the other hand, if that's us playing well and creating chances, what does it still say about our squad that we're still so fragile at the back, that we still concede so many good chances and that mentally and physically we have this huge issue with going a goal up? Yeah, and the weird thing is, you know, it's the exact opposite to how things were under Ole for a long time. You know, every week we came on, we'd be losing at half time, and he'd managed to pull out a lot of the time a win or at least a draw. It was like literally like the polar opposite where we'd start badly, be playing catch up, but often managed to do it. Uh, whereas now we're starting games really well, half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. And then I don't know, half time they come out and all right, often the other team, is playing better in the second half. So it is part of it. But I don't know, our level is going down. Uh, I mean, if we look at the XG on chances given away, it's not that bad either. Like Burnley was 0.6 for them, Southampton 0.7. So saying that really neither of those teams should be coming out with a goal, but they both have done. And that is where I think sometimes XG does fall down because again, the eye test, I think I think we look very open as the game goes on, you know. Yeah, and, I and agree actually. I, do, I'm sure I was we'll, a bit we'll, surprised we'll, both times to see XG yeah. as low as that. And, and you know, and, and the XG being as low as that can come down to, you know, a team can have three against two on the break, but if they just don't create that really good chance, it doesn't mean it wasn't a very dangerous situation. If you know what I mean, that if they had played it better, they could have come away with a very good chance. But ultimately, if they cross it to no one, it's not a chance that XG will register and yet they could flash 10 balls across the the you know the six yard line that anyone could have got on the end of. So not always a true stat in that sense for getting a real sense of the full picture. However, my eye test would say that we are conceding big chances and it, and it reminds me of a period under Van Gaal where we were dominating the ball so well, playing pretty turgid football and yet it seemed that even if we had 90% possession when that team had one breakaway, you know, the ball would fly in off Eric Bailey's arse or something, you know, like there was just this inevitable feeling about us, the way we can see goals and the way we can see chances. And again, for me, Nick, when I watch us try and break a team like Southampton down, it's so difficult. You know, we're, we're really having to play well to get those gaps and to create those chances. And when we do, it's it's good link up player, good individual player, a really good cross. And then there's a lot of the opposite, a lot of bad crossing, a lot of bad play, a lot of bad passes. It's a real effort to create chances conversely when a team gets past our semblance of a press 
they just seem to be able to waltz through our entire team. And I constantly see Maguire at a position. I constantly see Varane at a position. I constantly Shaw or Dallow having to cover back and, and really in a last ditch kind of effort to try and prevent some sort of bad situation where we're, we're almost 1v1 all the time at the back. And, and the opposition seem to have such an easier time exploiting our defence than we do the other way around. Well, I mean, one of the most damning things after this game was actually Hassan Hootel uh, came out and he said, he was asked about Manchester United. And obviously, there's a whole story here that Hassan Hootel is actually a disciple of Ralph Ranić, played under him, uh, managed under him at Leipzig, and then has then gone on to come into the Premier League and do pretty well. And he was asked about kind of, you know, our troubles after the game. And the big quote that's come out is he said, it's not a big secret that when they lose the ball, the reverse gears are not the best from everyone. So for him to openly come out with that kind of thing is like pretty major. You don't hear it that often. Um, and yeah, he's picking out that we're just not good at defending counterattack situations, more or less. And it's time and time again that we end up conceding. And as I said, look, if you look at the stats, Southampton, Burnley should barely be scoring a goal based on how many chances they've had and yeah okay we don't both we're both on the same page where we say look they probably did actually have more play than xg kind of suggests but still you know there was quite a good chance for us to get a clean sheet uh it has also you should say actually it is actually a really good finish uh, we're talking yesterday for southampton and against burnley um you know it's pinpoint from adams if it inches either way De Gea saves it or it probably goes off the post and doesn't go in uh, so that's why, you know, on XG is saying it's quite a low kind of percentage yeah. chance. But it's gone in the net and it's a recurring theme. And the problem again is that, yeah, as you said, like showing we should have scored eight or nine goals over these few matches and we've only scored one in each. Uh, Ronaldo is now in his biggest goal drought for, I think they're talking about 12 years. Uh, mm, you know, he's missed pen- Yeah, 2010. Which is absolutely crazy. Um uh, I have started getting a lot more frustrated with him. And early in the season, you know, we had this kind of discussion about is Ronaldo fitting in? Is he not? Where is he at? And I think we were saying, look, he's scoring enough goals to justify any kind of deficiencies in his play. But now when you go that long without scoring a goal, you see that his passing is not that great. He's not really contributing much to a press. So that is an issue with uh, somebody like Ronaldo. When he's not scoring, what is he doing? Well, I mean, he's, he's purely detracting from the team's ability um i like my thing about ronaldo is we i mean we said when he signed you know you're caught up in the the kind of buzz of all that because it is such an interesting story and yet our overall marks were you know this is 50 50 this could be as big a disaster as it could be a success and sadly you know it's teetering towards disaster and pretty um firmly now my thing with Ronaldo is I don't still really blame him because you're blaming Ronaldo for being a 37 and b being Ronaldo which you know he is the most get what you expect player and the only thing now is is finishing is actually letting him down a little bit because he is getting the odd little chance I don't think he's getting great chances but he's getting the odd shot the odd one-on-one that he's finding space for and getting a finish away and it's normally the keeper that saves it obviously you have the penalty miss that's a uh, you know, exception. Um, but what Ronaldo will be is a good finisher, a great pro, and a great fox in the box. And what we are not is creating any kind of cohesive football that consistently puts him in the position to score goals. And what we're asking him to do is press and work hard and and almost be creative, which is so flawed because 
that will always fail. That will simply always fail. He's too old. His legs have gone. He is a terrible hold the ball number nine. I mean, terrible. I mean, it's up it's up there with Lukaku for banging your head off a wall. Anytime the ball goes near him, the, the defender just comes through the back of him and win. they're not even fouling him. They're just winning it every single time. Nothing sticks. Very few things stick. And his, his ability to misplace simple passes is is unfathomable, really, to be honest. So all that kind of stuff just kills attacks. And we don't have the quality, Nick. We don't have the players in form to be able to absorb that. I think if you did pop him in City's team, I think he would still damage them from an all-round footballing perspective, but he would be created that many chances that it probably wouldn't matter and he would actually add value in terms of the finishing. We're not anywhere near that kind of position. We can't supply him with the kind of chances and the places where he wants to have the ball, i.e. in the box, consistently. I mean, yesterday, how many crosses did Rashford try and put in from that kind of not out wide, but sort of apex of the box, that sort of driven cross he likes to do? Not a single one of them beat the first man. And like he was trying, you know, but the, the quality was so lacking that, you know, what can Ronaldo do? And then on top of that, you get the the kind of negative body, you know, language and the, the atmosphere and the petulance and the frustrations and stuff. And all that's just a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. It is it has gone horribly wrong. I'd be devastated, really, really disappointed if he's still at the club next summer, because I think it'll just really continue to hold us back. I don't think there's a win here for anybody. I think it it makes Bruno less. I think it, it holds other players that could grow into that space back. Um, and we're in a we're in a bad position now with with you know the Greenwood situation letting Martial go. There's really nothing else Ralph can do at the moment except take his medicine on this one. I think. Yeah, I mean, we did actually have some questions from some of our followers on Twitter. So yeah, you've actually already answered one of them there. We had a question from at uh, Resbit at Nesbit Rab, and he said, "Ronaldo leave this summer. Do you think it would be for the better?" So yeah, you're saying yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, take that wage, send it somewhere else. We already had Ralph come out and say we clearly need a young striker. I mean, we have a, a big issue there now with you know a few players not quite making the grade, and then the Greenwood situation, and um, which obviously is is far from resolved. But you know, it'd be very difficult, I think, to countenance him playing for United again. So. Um, it's it's we're in a real situation, and you know neither Cavani nor 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 Ronaldo look fit for purpose really here at the moment. Again, if this if the team was all singing all dancing around him, I think Ronaldo is is value add generally. Um, but it's 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 really not, and therefore he makes everything worse. Yeah, I mean, I do actually kind of agree. I I said you know had my reservations about Ronaldo early on, but I still said look, I still think it was the right decision to bring him in just to stop almost City from getting him. And, you know, it was a great feeling when he came in, that debut against Newcastle. And, yeah, he scored a lot of important goals in that early kind of period. Uh, but, yeah, it's really... It's, it's almost coincides with Ranić arriving. So I don't know if there's been something in the kind of change-up and tweaking which has, you know, not worked out at all. Because under Ole, even in those few games under Carrick, Ronaldo was still regularly scoring. Uh, whereas under Ralph now, there's hardly been any. And I, you know, you said he didn't have that many chances, but yesterday, I think he had enough chances to score one. Uh, there was one where he did actually, there was, there was a couple of times where he did almost the hard work to create the chance for himself and then mm. slightly scuffed it or just didn't quite get the finish on it. Uh, I mean, obviously in that Burnley game, it was actually Cavani who started. Uh, there were, you know, so there was a follow-up question from Nesbit Rab. Do you think there's been a fallout between Cavani and Ronaldo, because um, you know he he played started against Burnley and when he kind of came mm. off for Ronaldo, he looked a little bit kind of 
not so happy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, my, I mean, my, I don't think it's specifically anything with Ronaldo. I, I doubt that. Um, my thing with Cavani is, and I, I really like Cavani as a as a human being from everything we've seen of him so far. I always admired him, and um, when he played for PSG and Napoli, and I, I've nothing has dissuaded me of that. I like his 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 vibe. I like his energy. I love his celebration. I think he's a cool guy. I like his farming simple origins. Um, and I like the way he plays football. I, I love the way he keeps himself in shape. I love the effort that he gives. I think he's a good striker. He's obviously come at the end of his career. And I do think the performances that really endeared him to us, um, particularly last year, have been much more few and far between this year. And there is this regular penchant with just declaring himself unavailable is what it feels like for us now i don't know you know you just never know what the what the status is but it just seems like it's it's one week not even one week on and one week off it's 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 really hit and miss whether he will be available whether he'll be away somewhere and there's always been this undercurrent reportedly that he just isn't super happy in manchester that he would always hope to move back to the continent that he would entertain other offers and stuff like that then we have the fact of the whole you know number switching you know being brought in probably wanting to be the number nine and then Ronaldo comes in he's never really had a had a position cemented he's always just been kind of the the helpful backup guy and that's in part because we've wanted to play other players and also in part due to his availability so ultimately it just hasn't worked Um, I think my you know uh appreciation of him sometimes clouds it because lately I think he he just hasn't looked very good at all you know it's you're kind of struggling to see what he's offering um, and and you're thinking god i'd actually put ronaldo back on at this point so it's just two aging strikers i think that are losing their their ability to impact the game in the way they used to and neither of those is, is going to work out long term so you know I, I don't really have any any desire to see either of them at the club next year yeah, and I kind of do agree with that. On the last pod as well, I said that I was starting to get very frustrated with how many times he was not being available for selection. You know, it's a mix of injuries. And again, yesterday he was not on the bench because of yeah. some kind of injury tweet since after coming off against Burnley. We know that Ole kind of went out of his way to convince him to stay in the summer. And I think we all thought that was a great thing. Uh, but again, this is a whole question that goes back to Ronaldo's arrival. That then after convincing... Cavani to stay and be that kind of senior number nine you bring in Ronaldo as well and you're like well do we need both of them and this kind of is there enough space for both of them and for a while you'd kind of think no then all of a sudden of course Mason Greenwood is now no longer available for selection and has thrown an even bigger spanner in all kind of work so we do actually need an extra striker uh, but it's not doesn't give us those options of having the kind of young, speedy striker and then having the kind of old-timer to come in and do different things. Uh, you know, the one thing Cavani does do that Ronaldo definitely doesn't is he is better at holding the ball up. Uh, yeah. On those kind of situations, he can play like that and he is the only one in our squad at the moment. Uh, you know, I said before that in a past podcast that the sad thing for me about kind of Ronaldo's arrival was that we weren't getting to see the forward line that I really wanted to see that was going to be Rashford, Greenwood, Sancho. But obviously Greenwood's made a mess of that all by himself. So yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think we'll be seeing that anytime soon at all. Um, I did see thrown out actually on Red Cafe saying, look, why can't we play Rashford, Ilanga, Sancho or something like that? I think there is a kind of, a lot of people are saying, look, we need more speed up front. Ronaldo is not giving yeah. it to us. He can still, you know, come on and maybe like maybe somebody from the bench. But the big problem is Ronaldo is not happy 
And like, you know, we saw such a big fuss from him when he was just substituted. Yeah. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about that much at the time, but I thought that was quite ridiculous how over the top he went with his complaints about being substituted. You know, I don't mind. I don't, you don't want a player to be happy to come off. So it's fine. Players being unhappy, but he took it too far. Like still, you know, sitting on the steps, moaning at the coach, then moaning at Ralph yeah. as well, where, you know, you're trying to see out a game. And I just thought, yeah. look, it's just I mean, it's too total- much. It's total theatrics at that point. You know, it's okay to come off sullenly, throw, you know, throw a drink and then sit down and, and look unhappy. But to, to like, you know, focus the cameras on yourself so much by sitting on the step and all that kind of weird stuff is just... But that's, you know, that's Ronaldo. He's... He, he, I mean, he lives every moment of a football match with a view towards him scoring goals or him bettering his career. You know, he is... You know, he, he does not care about Manchester United, Real Madrid... Or anyone else, you know, he cares about about Cristiano Ronaldo and him winning trophies and him winning top goal score awards and him maintaining ratios. Essentially, you know that the man is consumed and driven by it, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's why he is what he is. But it's, it's not hugely palatable at times, and it's not really super great for a functional team, particularly when he isn't doing the things that you kind of put up with all those things for, i.e., scoring loads of goals. So, you know, it, it will continue to be a distraction. I find it very interesting to see i mean we're now in this position where we have a an interim semi long-term manager and we're questioning possibly what kind of authority or desire he either has or the board have in terms of actually implementing something concrete or simply holding a place and to that end will he make the big decision to drop ronaldo does he see that as an issue i find it very i mean there was obviously a lot of talk when ralph came in and people were saying well you know we know what this guy's about. We know what time of teams he builds. We know which coaches he's instructed. And does that Manchester United team look like it's going to suit that? And we all said, uh, not really, but we hope so. Does Ronaldo fit that? You know, punditry, talk sport, everyone was saying this This simply won't work because Ronaldo will not be the number nine that has he has always needed for a system that he wants to play. And then when he came in, the sound bites were all, well, you know, I have to adapt to the players here. And of course, if you have a player like Ronaldo, you're going to play him. And it's so interesting to me to see and to understand the dynamic of how much he's willing to compromise his own, I mean, well-documented style and approach to, you know, to accommodate huge name players that he's probably never managed that kind of caliber. Well, he hasn't managed that kind of caliber before. Or how much power is he actually given to do the things he would actually want to do? And I wonder if that'll kind of come out in the wash as the season goes on and likely deteriorates. I mean, that is the thing. We have seen Ralph obviously change from what he first came in at, where there was this very clear attempt to get our team playing the 4-2-2-2. And he's kind of abandoned it, gone to a closer system to Oli does, although he's calling it a more kind of 4-3-3 with one sitting player, normally McTominay, and he's pushing on one of the midfielders a bit further. Um And I do think that we've been playing a lot better in general for at least like 45 minutes. Uh, Like I said, we've not managed to do it for 90 minutes yet. But for at least 45 minutes, the passing has been better. Uh, You know, uh, pressing has been better. And we've been creating chances. So I think in general, there has been some progress. I mean, if you remember back to the dark kind of performances we had against uh, Newcastle, Norwich in that kind of early phase, when Ralph first came in, when it was just absolutely dire and we were like creating virtually nothing and just maybe nicking a goal here and there. I do think that, you know, the players come on a lot since then. 
And yeah, so he's slightly kind of compromised on what his philosophies are to build in and try and get the team going and try and, you know, get what he can salvage from this season. And then it'll be interesting to see what happens from there. Um, but I mean, that's such like a, that's such a ridiculous thing because like, I mean, hasn't Hootel said it, you know, we expected 20, 30 minutes and we knew after that we'd take over basically was, was his post-match press comments. And that's exactly what happened. It's what's happened in lots of games. And there's lots of things that feed into that. But yesterday, I mean, the first 20 minutes were genuinely very good. Rashford was pressing. Ronaldo was pressing. Pogba was stepping out and pressing the way he had Fred doing. Bruno was pressing like a madman. And it gave Southampton to, like issues, big issues. They were just hoofing it away. We were coming straight back at them. And, you know, coincidentally, that was when we created all of our good chances and scored the goal. But why can we only do that for 20 and 30 minutes? Because that is obvious now. I mean... Hassan Hudel knows it. Every other manager in the league knows it. We as fans are watching it every single game. We know it. And I think it's a mixture of physicality. I, do, I don't think the profile of our players through numerous bad signings and numerous bad decisions is correct for the kind of that kind of football. I don't know what kind of football our players are correct for. No, don't get me wrong, but it's certainly not this one. Because if you know, you could ask a Sunday league team to press for 90 minutes and cajole them into doing it. Why can't Manchester United players getting paid ridiculous fees playing at the highest level, you know, rub every other team in the league can do it and, and we can't. So is it a physicality thing? Is it a mentality thing? Is it a, a a desire thing? Is it a want? Is it a culture that's just seeped into this throughout this squad now? And we look at these players that have been with us for the last four, five, six, seven, eight years and these consistent problems. I mean, Nick, did you see the comment De Gea made during the week? Yeah, I was actually just going to talk about that. Well, from what How you're saying, because you know, slash depressing is that comment? It's like something I would expect to hear down the pub with my mates as we're all musing on why on earth since Fergie left Manchester United are cursed. To hear it from De Gea just shows me, like, I don't mind that he said it. I'm interested to hear that that's exactly the level of our, you know, the discussion that's going on within the within the team, but. Like that's mental to me, Nick. That that that's what they're saying. Like, oh, we just we we don't get it either. We just don't know. Sure, we're all meant to be class, and yet we keep losing these games. <laughs> we're cursed since Fergie left, aren't we? <laughs> it's and De Gea look has been probably our best former all season. So it's again, it's it, there's no issue that's come from him. But just generally, how indicative of that is of the 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 weak, the childish, the lack of accountability that is clearly throughout this squad, throughout the squad, and that is rotten. Yeah, I mean, for those who haven't seen it, David De Gea basically said that, you know, we've talked about these issues within the squad and that we just, we don't know why we aren't doing better. Uh, And there is a much larger article behind this. It is in Spanish from El País newspaper. I've actually had a look at it uh, because I do speak pretty good Spanish myself so I can vaguely understand I don't always trust these kind of translations that come out from the tabloids and things like that Uh, but yeah De Gea definitely was not talking actually in a kind of jokey way he was genuinely like we're like really just confused as a squad on why things haven't worked out Uh, you know especially kind of when we finished last season on quite a high bought in actually better players and how, why, how it's gone so wrong this season. Uh, And in fact, he was not even just talking about this season. He was going back for kind of several years and talking about, he thinks maybe the club is cursed. Uh, I think I actually remember you saying something like that, Com, saying, you know, we had it so good under Fergie. I say that all the time. Football karma is just saying, right, Manchester United have to go through this now. (laughs) That's what I find hilarious, is that in one way, it's kind of... uh... 
in one way is kind of engaging because it makes me see them much more on the level you know as opposed to these like superstar footballers who are far away and, and operate in a different world it's like oh no they actually think exactly what i think which is that clearly there's just football juju and we have had it too good for too long and now we just have to have to suffer through some stuff and and rebuild ourselves as a club and, and oftentimes it does feel like you can be trying to do everything right and making good decisions and i always think you know if if city had assigned him it would have worked or if we had assigned him it wouldn't have worked you know these other successes that you see and you look at other clubs what liverpool have just done with diaz and stuff like that and you think if we did that it would be a flop you know it just wouldn't go the same and and the only reason for that it's easy to say a curse and all that actually it's culture it's management it's leadership it's accountability i think much more than anything of those other things and i think it, it can change quickly but it hasn't changed for us you know it, well it's changed a lot it's never gotten better you know we've had We've had the Van Gaal, we've had the Moyes, we've had the Mourinho, we've had the Ole, we've now got the Ralph, we've had different players, you know, we've had good summers, quote unquote, and bad summers, quote unquote, and actually nothing really changes. We keep buying these big players that we think are going to fix all our problems, and at the end, we just have, I mean, it's mad to me, Nick, to look at how we all felt on the first day of the season regards our squad to how we feel about our squad now is the biggest turnaround I've ever seen regards us, that I can remember about a squad. You know, normally you look at a squad and you can sort of say, I reckon that's about third or fourth and the finish third or second. You know, you normally have a pretty good gauge on paper. This is what that squad will do. It's very rare that you get a complete shock any which way. And it's not that we're not going to hit fourth, which is, I think is all I thought we would anyway, third or fourth. But it's the manner of how you feel about the squad looking at it now, looking down those list of names and, and how you feel in terms of this squad's one midfielder away from challenging for every major honour to this squad is in need of complete revamping and it's lost without a paddle. Yeah, and that is going to be the sad thing for me because, you know, <clears throat> I yeah was totally of the opinion that we had a good squad, that there was a couple of places that needed sorting out, but that Ole, you know, had left a very good squad for the next guy. And yeah, there is now big question marks over several players. Uh, I mean, yeah, if we actually go back to the kind of Twitter questions, there's Benny Beck's, who is asking, and he's specifically singling out Rashford, Maguire, Shaw, our kind of English trio. And he's saying, look, these players look like they're actually making each other actually worse to me at the moment. Um, I mean, look, it's difficult to talk about all three of them. But yeah, Maguire is getting a lot of press at the moment. Mm. He's come back into the team. He's playing every game and making mistakes again and again. I mean, yesterday, the amount of times he was just getting out-muscled and outdone by Broha was just embarrassing. And, you know, there'd been the kind of games we'd seen that before. And he said, oh, maybe he's not fully fit or things like that. But yeah, he doesn't really have that excuse at the moment. And... A couple of, you know, you can look at a few players for the goals we've given away recently, but Maguire was being involved very closely both yeah. kind of times in these last couple of games, Burnley and Southampton. And sure as well, like maybe not being in line, playing players on side, question marks over his positioning. Rashford yesterday did not have a good game at all, although he did actually get the assist, to be fair to him. But, uh, you know, I was like looking at the passing accuracy stats and he's down at like 60% and which yeah, you don't see that low very yeah. often. Uh, you know, you said it before, every time he was trying to get those crosses in and it just hitting the first man every time. So yesterday he had 
had an absolute nightmare. I mean, the one thing I will say in Rashford's favour is I always said that I don't like him playing on the right, uh, that Rashford should be playing on the left. I think, you know, when we had Rashford and Shaw uh, kind of interchanging together on that left side, I thought we were it was the best we'd seen on our left side for a long, long time. And I think we're really missing out on that combination. You know, we all thought Sancho was going to be this right-wing solution, but he's playing left nearly all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really curious. I, I would like to touch on those three players as well. I don't want to uh, repeat, but I, I would like just have a quick word on all of them. But on that note, Sancho being signed, not having a right-winger for 10 years, Sancho being chased for a year, not gotten, signed for big money the next year, assumedly as a right winger and then never playing right wing is difficult to swallow. It doesn't point towards a club that has it all figured out and knew what they were getting. It looks very much like, ooh, super young English talent. Dortmund want 90 million. Quick, let's give them loads of money because this is going to solve our problem. Just like how we did with Ronaldo, just like how we always do now is just looking for this one player to save us as opposed to actually clearly identifying what our squad needs and buying the right player, whether that player costs 20 million, 40 million, 60 million or 100 million and that is something we we don't seem to do we just want to throw money at problems and fix you know one player won't fix our team and i, I think that's a huge point the fact that ole played him on the left and now ralph continues to play on the left hints to me that there is something there behind the scenes that we're not seeing or that they view rashford's performances really poorly as you say there was a good link up between shaw and rashford but rashford is 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 playing awfully at the moment and he has been for a long time and you know we're all fans of Rashford on this podcast but you have to call a spade a spade at the moment he is diabolically bad in terms of what he's producing in terms of chance creation and scoring goals himself running at players he looks completely shot of confidence can't do it his crossing is abysmal he's lethargic there's bad energy and bad kind of uh I think posturing and, and things like that, that that isn't good and it's just, and the pressing is for 10, 20 minutes and then he just doesn't do it. And it's infuriating at the moment. So I personally, I actually think Sancho and Shaw look okay down the left. Sancho, Sancho really is able to slip him in behind and he overlaps and creates a lot of space. I, I think Sancho is really growing into this team and I actually think his relationship with Shaw is looking a lot better. I would keep them on the left because currently that's where the good football is coming from. It's Shaw and Sancho. Rashford is not involved in any good football. I appreciate he got the assist. It was an easy pass. It was a great pass from Bruno. And then it was a very easy pass to find Ronaldo. He almost waited too long. Or sorry, to find Sancho at the back post. He almost waited too long. So that's an odd one. But I really think that's more of a Rashford issue than a Sancho issue, though. And generally our club not being able to, you know, effectively plan and actually, uh, you know, buy players that it actually needs rather than just buying players that it thinks will solve all the issues. Yeah, I mean, one thing for Rashford while you're just there, I'll say that, you know, while he's been out for this time, you see he's bulked up a lot He's put on a lot of muscle, quite a lot of weight, and I don't think it's helping him at all. We saw this kind I, of thing I, with I, Lukaku before. Remember when he came back after one summer? Yeah, and... I mean, I still think I still think he looks pretty lithe, and you know, he can still absolutely motor. I'm not sure it's like a fitness thing. I don't think he's ever been really great at. You know, he's like a sprinter. He's, he, in a short situation, he can he can go with anyone. He can make any run. He can devastate you with his pace. But like over 90 minutes, he, he, he won't be a consistent effort kind of player, like a, a Mane or, or someone really tenacious that way, you know, so I don't think he'll ever be a really top quality pressing player. I don't know whether it's, you know, that ability, fitness, desire, motivation. I really don't know what it is. And, and I know there's just this absolute malaise at the moment. And a lot of people would say, you know, his technical ability was never, you know, top, top, top quality. I think 
some United fans think that he's been overrated for a lot of time. I, I still think on form he can be a top, top player. But it's been far too long now where the form has been nowhere near. And it's a big issue now, Nick. I really don't know what to do because, you know, he's such a, he's an academy boy. He's Manchester born and bred. He has reached a high level previously. He's such a, a good lad off the pitch. Not that that should count for much. But it's at the point now where it's like, what what does he give us? You know, what does he give us at the moment? And, and, and it's very tough to see how it all gets so much better. Yeah, he's definitely on bad form. I will say it's not, you know, it was the start of last season, the first half of last season, he was on very good form. Because I think some people, you know, you do forget when these things were and how recently. And obviously, you know, they always say you're only as good as your last game. And people don't really remember that much past a couple of months. And he was I on think if you're really going back, good form. I think if you're going back more than a full season at this point, yeah, but then, I was going to say, obviously, he then played months and months nowhere near full fitness. And I think it was a major mistake that he should not have been like put through, you know, constantly playing at whatever, 70, 80%. And then they delayed that surgery. Again, a major mistake. He went to the Euros, didn't feature that much. Then, you know, the whole start of this season was a write-off because he was recovering from kind of injury. And I just think that whole period was a wrong decision and I don't know yeah. whether the decision came from him, whether it came from Ole, who exactly. But, you know, as soon as he wasn't fully fit, they should have sorted him out at that time. And I think yeah. maybe we would not have, like, these kind of issues with where we're at now. Uh, and, you know, I, I actually very... say that I think he is a very good player. He's got all the attributes. And we have seen it. People often forget. I think he gets too much kind of criticism. But, yeah, undoubtedly, he is not in good form at the moment. And I was actually surprised to see him start again. I mean, in general, I'm not touched on this, but... I was pretty shocked to see um, Ralph put out pretty much the same team again. Cavani went out, Ronaldo came in, and apart from that, it was the same team. That's for three matches in a row, one of them being Middlesbrough, where we've had extra time, we've had penalties, and he's barely like changed a, you know, a couple of yeah. players in that whole kind of period. And I've said several times that for me, one of Ole's biggest downfalls was lack of rotation, not using the squad, not keeping people fresh. And I think Ralph seems to be going down that route again. I mean, I, I put out a kind of team that I ex thought I wanted and it had like five changes. I didn't expect him to make that many, yeah. but I was pretty shocked that he didn't make any changes at all. I wasn't really, and I, I'm actually not too unhappy about it. I think there's a bit of revisionism going on now in terms of the way we've shaped our squads. So someone made the point that you should never, for a club like United, leave a transfer window worse off than when you went into it. And that is basically what we've done. Now, a lot of that stuff is completely overshadowed by Mason Greenwood that we, well, I mean, the key point with it is you don't actually know how capable the club was of preparing for that, which is something that I am extremely keen to find out that will be either uh you know a weight off my mind or something that will be extremely extremely disappointing if we ever get to know the kind of knowledge the club had around that situation because then a you can't plan for it and b you probably should have you know done something about it prior to it all coming out in the media however <laughs> that's really a side point but that greenwood now being not a manchester United player for at least the rest of this season colors everything differently you know would Martial have been let go would van der Beek have been let go I don't know the one thing I would say is Ole did have an issue with rotation but that was Ole's team this isn't really Ralph's team and my thing is if he is trimming down that squad Nick I am so happy I'm fine with that there's about eight names I would immediately say find a new club in the summer see you later no problem and I, I really don't mind short-term pain if he's going to pick the same team and say do you know what figure it out 
Rashford, if you want to be a Manchester United player next season, if you want to have the kind of career at this club that everyone thought you did, figure it out because I'm just going to put you on the pitch. You know, you should be playing better than this because I appreciate wanting Alanga to start and I thought he brought a lot of energy yesterday and I would start him. At a certain point, that team he picked yesterday is our best team on paper. 100% is our best team. Ronaldo, Sancho, you know, uh, Rashford, Pogba, McTominay, you know, Varane and uh, Maguire, Shaw and Dallow. That is our best team. Now, whether that's our best functioning team, I don't know. Probably not. But there's not really a whole pile of options for Ralph at the moment. You look at that bench and yes, he's probably put himself in that position. I don't actually really have an issue with that because the season is a write-off. The squad, to an extent, is a write-off. It needs surgery. And therefore, if we just hammer this team to let them figure it out, that's not the worst way to play out this season, in my opinion. On Rashford, again, I wouldn't get rid of him. I think he's well worth another year or two. But I just don't think he needs the spotlight as much as he's getting at the moment. And that's where I do come in with you. I do think whatever pressure can be relieved on some of these players should be. It's a different story for others. But I think some people could do with two or three months off really being rotated in and out and not just having it all on their shoulders all the time because it just builds up and builds up. Fan frustration just gets to get, gets to get, gets to And then people get to a point where they can't look past those kind of things and they just completely lose faith with the player. Yeah, for me, though, yeah, it's, I actually agree with you that on paper that is our best 11. But it's just about keeping players fresh. You know, Fergie never played the same team two weeks or two games in a row uh, mm. always changing a couple of players keeping players on their toes keeping players fresh it was one of my big complaints about Ole I also am not totally with you yet that saying this season is a write-off uh, you know we're throwing away points every game and you know what we should have had six points from we've come out with two points but just because I don't think our top four rivals are in any kind of great form as well that top four race is still wide open even though <clears throat> we're making every effort to like not be in it I uh, uh, the, the, last, the last run of 12 games, Nick, is is as easy as you're going to get. Now, there's an argument that we might overperform here in the next 8 or 10, but our finish to the season could see us closer to 10th than it could to 4th. I mean, yeah, but you know, we've crazy, said this kind of stuff like two or three seasons in a row, and then somehow this team have always managed to put a run together when they really they needed have, to. But see, when that, but when it was Ole, it was when we did that with Ole two seasons ago. It was kind of a plucky underdog team. We didn't necessarily have the players we have now, and a few people were injured. It was always kind of a scrappy. We'll sit in. We'll Dan James you. You know, we will do that, and we and we had a lot of success against Guardiola, success against Klopp, success in the big games, PSG, that kind of stuff, and and dugout performances. In that manner, this is a totally different team now. A totally different team, and I look. We could we could do better in the bigger games. I'm not sure. All the all the eggs are in the Champions League basket, and hopefully that goes well for us. But I mean, you're right. We're still in the top four race, undoubtedly, because and we are as well. Is. Just because you know, Tottenham they lost to Southampton the other day. Arsenal are not in any great form, so we are still in this race, and it will. I'm pretty sure it's going to go till the end of the season. So I, I don't agree that the season is a write-off. I think Ralph needs to make get the right. To get what he can out of this season you know even though it's looking pretty unlikely that he will continue even though it is an option I'm pretty sure we're looking at getting another manager uh, in the summer and yeah we will talk about this I'm sure a lot for the rest yeah. of the season but actually while we're just on this game you know Hassan Hootel had been mentioned by a couple of Paul Scholes was talking about him and Glenn Hoddle in the studio yesterday saying you know why isn't he an option for Manchester United and of course he does have that big connection to uh, Ralph 
from before. I mean, to me, he's not really of the caliber of Pochettino or Ten Hag. I do actually think he's a very good manager and deserves a bigger job than Southampton. But just quickly, what do you think about this kind of link now on Hassan Houtun being our next manager? Um, yeah, no, I would be uh, I would be totally pleased with that. I, I'm at a point with managers, Nick, where I just think we need to chop and change. You know, I think we just need to throw it at a wall until it sticks. I wouldn't be overly precious. I would take who's available. I would take Pochettino. I would take Ten Hag. And I would take Hasenhudel. The one thing I would do is let them do what they want with the squad. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that. I just think there's too many people in this squad that have been allowed to stay in the squad for too long, even though they don't suit any manager's aims. And I think it's clear that when managers comes in, there's this pressure, whether it's pressure because of the names of the players themselves, because of the quality they're purported to have, or whether it's pressure from a board, you know, um, manager, you know, higher level kind of thing, or what? But there's clearly this pressure to to play a certain players to do certain things and to kind of, I just think it hamstrings most coaches, you know, to not truly be able to do what they want. And then obviously we we just haven't signed well. Even the signings that we thought were good signings are turning into bad signings. You know, to come back to your Maguire point, I mean, he looks like as far from a United captain as is 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 ever going to look. Really, he looks so slow and ponderous. I mean, Weghorst absolutely turned him inside out for the Burnley goal miles out of position consistently getting beaten one-on-one and and just looks like he's always stuck in mud um you know clearly not the player we thought we were getting but yeah we have he has played a lot better for us right he's worse than he yeah, was no, like uh, last Maguire's, season Maguire's top level is is good enough for Manchester United so I wouldn't be rushing you know I think we need to sign a, a centre-back just because you know Bayern and Lindelof aren't going to displace him they're just handy to have so I do think we need some genuine competition there and someone to hopefully come in because Varane isn't getting any any younger and, and he's only going to get more injured and stuff like that. So we definitely need to sign a centre-back. But I wouldn't be... I mean, if someone offered a £60 million, I'd take it, obviously. But I don't, I don't see how we're getting rid of Harry Maguire now. The interesting thing is, does he remain our captain? I mean, that's a big question. It's, it's, it's a bit crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I still think there's a good player somewhere in Harry Maguire. And we've seen him play very well for England on the international stage. You know, he was in the Euros kind of team of the whole tournament, but he's had an absolute car crash of a season. Uh, you know, it all kind of started going wrong around the time Ole was bringing him back from injury and there was that Leicester game. But like, you know, now he's had a few <laughs> games. He shouldn't really be moaning about injury Uh I think as well, though, again, it comes down to maybe why are players playing three matches in a row, including extra time? You know, it's not that surprising that he's knackered. I mean, I, I, then- yeah, yeah, but, uh, you know, being knackered, he literally moves like a boat uh, anytime. I don't think being knackered would just make you so leggy that you couldn't turn and spin. Because really, when you're on the pitch and you're in that moment, even if you're not injured, you know, if you're in a foot race, yes, okay, it might make a difference. But if you're just running and then stopping and turning and getting twisted and turning and getting dribbled and, and beaten that way, that's just the way he is. That's just not his thing. And that's no, it fine. it was embarrassing the issue, towards the end of the uh, game embarrassing. yesterday. Bruja, it was Bruja was just wee boy in him. I mean, it was shocking. And he looks a player, but I mean, he's still not He's still not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah. But my thing with our defence, Nick, is I actually think that back four is a good back four. I've been pleased with Dallow. It could do a wee bit better. It could do with being strengthened. But it's not for me the big issue and I actually think they do okay generally the the issue is they're being asked and told to play this kind of high line 
difficult, tough one-on-one job. Very much the way Liverpool play, but they have Van Dijk who can just mob up everything. Completely imperious, win every one-on-one battle, won't be beaten for pace, won't be beaten on the turn, and, and is just controlling everything. And we're asking, you know, good players to try and do that, even though it doesn't necessarily suit them. The big issue we have, Nick, remains in a large part the lack of control or indeed physical presence in midfield at times our shape is just horrendous we pile everyone forward and McTominay for the life of him I I, I don't know how anyone is allowing this to happen so frequently United they do not fill the space in any meaningful way they are so easy to play behind whether it's McTominay and Fred whether it's McTominay and Pogba Pogba's been good since he came back he's a great footballer but as a two it can, you know we are just so easy we're so porous they're in behind us we don't have a press from the front so they immediately get through into our midfield and then there's I mean the whole pitch you're trying to ask McTominay to cover a whole pitch now if you had someone like Declan Rice who's so capable at sniffing things out before they even come problems and holding the exact right position to drop in and help his central defenders and to being really switched on really technically and tactically aware that can that can be okay, but otherwise you have to have to play three in midfield in a true sense because Bruno is not playing in midfield really. He's dropping in to dictate play, but defensively he's he's a non-entity as essentially as Pogba and they're the players they're trying to lead a high press. So as soon as they're beaten because either Ronaldo or Rashford or Sancho doesn't really press well, it's it's done and we're completely beaten. And I think that makes our defenders, particularly Maguire, it just shines a light on their biggest, you know insecurities and it just makes them look even even worse it's very easy to say ha 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 he got absolutely mugged off but he's basically being run at one-on-one the entire game essentially because the whole team shape the whole team structure is porous yeah but that that is on ralph right because he said himself that i'm now trying to play with one holding player which is being McTominay, uh, and then two number eights. So he's saying Pogba and Bruno are kind of, you know, both number eights. And yeah, Pogba will drop in a bit more than Bruno, but they're supposed to be playing around the same position. And they're both supposed to drop in when needed. But we know that they're both players who are better at attacking than defending. And so a lot then falls on Scott McTominay. I think that we're missing Fred massively at the moment. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, he again... I think we're missing a player we haven't signed yet, to be honest. But I think the issue with this, there's no real issue with that. The the, the problem comes with personnel. So it's okay saying that's what we're doing. And I have sympathy for Ralph because you can't just magic your squad into something it's not. And at a certain point when you have frailties in the squad, there's not always a formation that fixes it. I actually think it would probably be five at the back for this squad, but there's not even really the personnel for that anyway. It's it's very difficult. And then we're so heavy up top that you always want to fit those players in. So it really is a rock and a hard place until you can sign a few players that actually function the way this team wants to play or the way Ralph wants this team to play. However, at the moment, the issue with having one holding midfielder in McTominay is that he's not a holding midfielder. He just... He'll do it for five minutes and then he'll go wander and he'll get encouraged to go forward because he is a box-to-box player. He wants to run with the boy, he wants to break into space and he wants to get forward. So first of all, he just won't do that. He also just doesn't have the mental kind of Makalele, Declan Rice, you know, real deep lying. I want to just sit here and control things, identity in him. And you can't again, you can't make him something he's not. So that's your first issue. The player you're asking to do that isn't actually well suited to it. The second issue that could be overcome is if you were Man City and you had Gundogan, Silva and De Bruyne, and your whole team culture is set up to keep the ball and look after it and play really well with the ball on the floor and create chances that way, then that's fine. You can take the risk because the opponent is only going to get to break on you a handful of times per game when you really F it up and Rodri can't get there or whatever. And then your centre-backs are going to be exposed. 
we get broken on every two or three times every 10 minutes because Pogba and Bruno, as good as they are as players, don't want to keep it. They want to get rid of it. And then when they get rid of it, it's usually to a player who also can't keep it. You know, Rashford, he's going to do something and mess it up. Jane Sancho, he's not going to create a chance. So we don't create the chance. We don't keep the ball. We don't look after it in an attacking sense. So what you have is a holding midfielder who can't hold on to it and isn't in the right place. You have two players ahead of him who are meant to pin the other team in and really dominate possession and overwhelm them with attacking play. But as soon as they get it, they're apt to lose it. And what that means is the other team just gets chance after chance to win the ball back in good places and to catch us out of position. And it happens over and over and over again. It doesn't suit the players we have. And that's not to say there is some magic system that does. It's just to point out that's why it always happens. Yeah, it does definitely leave us open. And I'd say, you know, I've talked about how kind of Ralph's system, he's gone back to an Ole system, but he has actually tweak things to be much more attacking uh, as I say you know Ole used to have two sixes whereas he's got one and he's got two number eights plus he's wanting Ralph is wanting both fullbacks to attack whereas Ole would generally say one fullback and it used to be sure should attack and the yeah. other is probably more kind of you know hold back and be part of the defense totally. uh, which was and, usually and, one and like, I, I think those time. Are... And I think those are good things. I also think completely benching Wan Bazak is a is a great is a great um decision. I honestly I think I have very little truly I have very little fault with Ralph. And I know that that is kind of a narrative that's starting to really turn. A lot of people think he's a bit of a bluffer now and that they don't really understand what he's doing. Most things I've seen, I've understood why he did them and I agreed. But the squad is the squad. There's only so much you can do. And I also think it just comes hugely down to a kind of a mentality, motivation squad building issue in terms of how we've been managed over the last five or ten years and the kind of people we have at the club and that's just not going to change mid-season with all those same players there you know I think everything that Ralph has done I see the logic of and equally everything he says after every game is nail on the head Nick it remains you know he is to me completely aware which takes me back to kind of the Ronaldo question we had at the start is I'm just interested to see how far he can go to kind of change anything because he's cl- he will be clearly aware of all these issues yeah, look, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> as I say, I actually I do like a lot of the things Ralph says in his post-match, pre-match. He's obviously a guy who understands what our issues are. Whether he's got the solutions of working them out is another matter. Whether he's being given the remit to do that is another matter mm. as well. Because, you know, really his remit at the moment is get what you can out of this season and then bring in a new manager. Um, you know, I know you say, and a lot of people are saying that the season's a write-off. I do not agree with that. I think we can still turn this around. We can still definitely get top four Champions League. You know, if we look ahead now a little bit uh champions league is coming up we've got two matches uh we're playing leeds uh away at home uh, in fact we're playing brighton at home right, on yeah, tuesday and then leeds away on the weekend then yeah champions league kicks in again we're going away to atletico madrid they're thankfully not in the greatest of form either even though they have just won on the weekend but they just managed it uh, i think it was 4-3 quite a thriller over there but they're not in the best of form so yeah we've got a week to get ourselves into some decent form before yeah our only chance of any kind of i mean i don't expect that we can win the champions league but i do think that we can uh, get a couple of rounds forward um, if we start putting away some of our chances you know we, as much as obviously things are bad and we can talk about all the issues 
I'd say we have still been unlucky in this kind of run. Um, if Ronaldo can score a couple, it can make all the difference. And as I say, he hasn't gone this long without scoring a goal for more than a decade now, which is absolutely crazy. Um, look, Brighton coming up, Leeds, who are not in, are in terrible, terrible form. Uh, as you said, Com, the issue was we looked like we had a pretty easy run of fixtures. And yeah. we had those couple of wins on the bounce. Brentford, West Ham, we thought we were going to build on it. But yeah, it's ended up with two draws and really hits our kind of top four hopes a lot. But Tottenham lost the other day and I think it'll go like this all the way. We've had this kind of race a few times when we said each time we get a bad result, oh, we're out of it. But then one of the other teams we're up against also lost and I think the season's going to go like that again. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing with that is it's just hard to feel a lot of joy around that, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, like failing upwards to a top four finish is it's just such a, it's such a for me, it's such a pointless endeavour. It's obviously not pointless. Champions League football is huge. There is an argument around not getting Champions League football, meaning maybe Ronaldo would be more likely to leave, Pogba would be more likely to leave, and we'd maybe do more of a rebuild. And and some people think that would be beneficial. I always want us to be in the Champions League. I would always want to finish fourth. But I mean, I'm not just going to get excited, Nick, about the prospect of us, you know, just scrabbling our way to a fourth place finish alongside Spurs, Arsenal and West Ham. I mean, with the squad we have... It is nothing except abject, abject failure. And I appreciate, you know, I, I use the word write-off. It's an emotional write-off. I could not honestly care too much about where we finish this season. I just want to see us play better football and not feel so predictably depressed every time. I said yesterday, see an early kickoff in Manchester United on Saturday, weekend ruiner. Before a ball is kicked, you just know that is just me in bad form for the rest of the weekend. We should play on Sunday night around nine o'clock, just before everyone has to go back to work on Monday. So at least we could just switch off the TV, go straight to bed and, and you know, go to work in the morning. That's fine. But it's just, there's just so little joy in it at the moment. You know, even when we score that goal, you just knew our whole mentality shifted to a team that just doesn't want to be 1-0 up. You know, like 1-0 is a dangerous scoreline in the 85th minute, not in the 30th minute. And yet we play like, like, like a completely different team when we go 1-0 up and that's such an as you say it's complete reverse but it's just such a bad watch yeah I mean I think what happens in these games is that maybe the other team you know sit back a bit until we score and then when they start trying to play we can't deal with it uh you know we can manage to create and manage to get the chance there but yeah as I say if we look at the positives we are at least creating and if somebody can start sticking these away then we can at least start putting points on the board I do totally get where you're at that you know our most joy can be finishing top four at this point is just like and yeah I said Groundhog Day on these three games where each time we go one nil up and end at one one it's like Groundhog Day on the whole season where you kind of start the season with some kind of expectation and that by the time we hit kind of new year our only hope is like that we're fighting for top four uh you know last season was different where we actually came in at christmas uh, new year top of the league and then ended up second uh that's like the kind of you know heights we've had for quite a while now we go back to how we were maybe two or three seasons ago where we're just scrambling and happy at the end to actually finish in those top four places uh and yeah that's where we're at again uh i mean i said i do have a few quid on it so that gives me that kind of extra hope that we do make it but yeah I can totally understand it's not exciting where we started this season hoping we'd be challenging for the league challenging for trophies and now all we've really got to hope for is that maybe we might get a couple of rounds in the Champions League and then yeah hoping we squeeze into that top four is all we've really got left to go for but yeah that is where we're at unfortunately 
Scotland, then yeah, working out where this squad is at. Um, <clears throat> I think yeah, we're about coming to the end over here. Do want to give a shout out to our usual sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, had a couple of comments actually about recommending Manscaped for the ladies uh, last week, but yeah, look, it's all about equal opportunities. Uh, men and women can use this over there. Uh, do head over to Manscaped.com. Check out the full range. The main thing is obviously that lawnmower, which is all about trimming um, down below. Uh, but they do also have the weed whacker for your nose and hair and all that kind of stuff. We have changed our code. It is now United Hour 20. We'll get you 20% off everything at Manscaped. So head over Manscaped.com and United Hour 20 to get your discount. You've just missed Valentine's Day, but yeah, there's no reason not to still get yourself in shape over there. So, yeah, I mean, are you expecting more of the same in these next two matches just to kind of finish off? Like, you know, as I say, Brighton, who are like, yeah, doing well. And even I know Imran, for example, is a big fan of Potter and he wants him to be our next manager. Um, For me, again, he's somebody who's doing well, maybe needs to make a step up to a bigger club, show what he can do before he starts talking about being Manchester United manager. But yeah, Yeah, Brighton and then Leeds, who are going in the opposite direction after last season, their manager getting all the plaudits they're now almost getting dragged into a, a relegation race although have you seen that Dan James is now playing up front for them because of all their injuries and actually managed Banging to score a in. couple of goals yeah. the other day yeah um don't have a lot of interest in Dan James's career to be honest um anymore but good for him nice likable chap uh but no I mean Brighton and Leeds we should win these games you know uh, but god knows honestly Nick God knows Brighton, I think, will be tough. You know, I mean, they've outplayed us a fair few times um, since Potter's managed them. Um, and we've usually been able to scrape wins, but it's been far from comfortable. So I expect that to be a tough fixture. But again, like, you just, our team should play well. You know, we should we should beat these teams. We, we shouldn't just press for 20 or 30 minutes and then, you know, absolutely cack our pants. But you just couldn't put any money on it. I'm looking forward to the Atletico fixtures. And that's really about it. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, as I say, I just hope Ralph shuffles the pack a bit just for freshness. Like, you know, that has to be another contributory factor on why we're managing to go for 30, 45 minutes, not for 90, because the same players are playing every match. Like, even like, you know, Aaron Wambasaka, obviously, like, is not having a good season. But yeah, he can have a run out just to give Dallow a rest. Uh, even Lingard can come in and play some minutes. Uh, it is difficult to now go and watch Donny van der Beek pull out a man of the match performance for Everton mm. Martial as well I hear had a great uh, game for Sevilla the other night and got an assist and um, I got a report from a Rangers friend of mine said that Ahmad was ripping it up as well although I think they were just playing some lower division uh, the funny team. thing is as bad as badly as I've wanted Martial to go I would now start him as our number nine that is how that is how bad things are at the moment I, I would give him a game up front immediately just to just to try something different and and to put a bit of, you know, I say youth. He's hardly a youth player, but just to get a bit of freshness and a bit of movement up there again. I just that is that is the point where that is exactly how bad it is. Um, Van der Beek played in the midfield too, and by all kinds played extremely well. Again, the mystery continues if he goes and plays well consistently at Everton. There, um, questions will have to be asked as to how he could, he could not find a minute. And again, that suggests that you know, possibly our managers feel more pressure to play certain players regardless of whether it's actually the best thing for the team because again that just seems crazy i mean you said the other day he would have played in this game 
And we immediately said, well, no, he, would, he probably wouldn't have. You know, he, he absolutely should have. Uh, like 99.9% of managers should have started him in umpteen games that we watched when we were playing two times a week or when we had big issues and certain players were missing. Yeah. But they wouldn't but No, have. but like you they said, I think have. that he would have started this game if he was still out. Yeah, but, just yeah, because you, you said that, Fred was you out. You said that a month ago. <laughs> yeah, I would have, I can, I would I have probably, but you know, on this I, game, I can, Fred I was out. Ten, I can show you 10 instances over this season where we've had a glaring hole in our team that he could have filled. And and when it came to it on the match day, an hour before kickoff, he wasn't in the team. You're right, you're right. But, you know, as I said... And yet, and we, then the not... next week, we would all be saying, I guarantee Van Der Beek is going to start this <laughs> game, surely. And then it never, it, it just never happened. Oh, you are right, you are right. But I do, you know, we're not going to go into it now because we're just wrapping up. But, yeah, maybe on the next pod. I do think that Ralph has left our squad a little bit on the thin side. Because, um, you know, now when you look this week, for example, Fred was not available. Matic was mm. not available. Cavani was not available. Obviously, Greenwood is not available. And then you start thinking, you know... You, a couple of injuries down and that is again another reason why he has played the same team for the third time in a row because he didn't have all those options but yeah that is the risk that when you cut the squad I totally understand the thing of players who don't want to be here then leave and I totally agreed with him but I do think at this point that we've left ourselves a little bit on the thin side and I don't know if we start getting a couple more injuries it does start becoming a problem but anyway, look, hopefully, like I said, we've got these couple of games coming up. Uh, we will come back after Leeds next weekend. And hopefully we will have something more positive to talk about before we restart in the Champions League again. But yeah, for now, that is good night from me. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.